Hey there. Well, the North Carolina Tar Heels have now lost three games in a row, the final two in Portland, and now losing also to the Indiana Hoosiers, 77 to 65. Yuck. But you know what? It's still a great day to be a Tar Heel, and we're going to break it down. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Isaac Shade. Welcome into this North Carolina Locked On Tar Heels postcast as we break down the game. Typically what we do for these is I will share with you several takeaways that I have from this game and then I'll take your questions as well and so can't wait to see what you have to share with us and that will be great stuff so uh, first off again 7765 is the score here for the Tar Heels and this is where I want to start with group exercise you ready deep breath <laughs> I think everybody needs that a little bit in their life right now. Part of that is because uh, Tar Heels are not used to seeing three losses in a row, and that is a very real thing right now, and that's what we're dealing with. So, um, But at the same time, I said all week on the show, this is expected. This is what we kind of frankly expected to see um some of that is because you had three games in four days in portland the last of which was a four overtime game and then in the midst of that it's a lot of minutes for just a few guys and then you head straight to bloomington indiana for this game not even going back to chapel hill and you've got several people banged up and it's just a recipe to go into a difficult place to play knowing that it's going to be more likely than not that this turned into a three-game losing streak, and that's exactly what happened. And so in some regards, this is kind of expected, right? Because you're not going to be able to turn around and fix much before you get back to Chapel Hill, and then you've got boom, bang, bing, you're right back to Blacksburg on Sunday, and then, then you've got a week off to wrap up finals and do other things like that before you host Georgia Tech that next weekend in the second ACC game. Perhaps uh, where, where I want to start um, in terms of like stats and takeaways and things is this. I had posted before the game that we needed to keep an eye on Carolina's assist numbers. Why? One of the, uh, if you know me, you know that I love to track stats and go deep dive on them. So one of them that I keep is assist percentage, which I just define as the number of made field goals that Carolina assists on. And typically, Carolina teams do a phenomenal job assisting. In fact, last year, they averaged, averaged assisting on 54.8% of their made field goals, including like 85% against Marquette to start off the NCAA tournament. This season, their season high is 54.1%, not their average. In fact, they started off the season at 18%. Tonight was a 20% assist or 25% uh, assist percentage ratio. They assisted on five of 20 made baskets. And that, friends, is just not going to do it because that is not 
Carolina offense. And um, that, so that's where we start statistically is just recognizing that. Part of it too, uh, the next kind of big picture thing I want to point out is North Carolina is simply settling for shots while their opponents are working to find high percentage shots. Here's a great example of that. North Carolina in, in the second half had kind of been keeping it team pretty decently close. And then here's what happened. Here's this. This is like several plays in a row. RJ Davis, deep pull up, miss. Other end of the basket or other end of the court, Indiana layup. Come back down. Leaky fadeaway near the free throw line. Miss. Indiana on the other end, layup. Next time down the court for the Tar Heels, Caleb Love, contested jumper. Miss. On the other end, IU layup. And then Carolina calls a timeout. Makes sense, right? You're on this uh, losing end of a 6-0 run there. And then they can't inbound the ball. Turnover. Indiana, what do they do? Uh, they get a baseline out of bounds play, tip in right at the rim for Trace Jackson Davis. That's what's happening. Carolina is settling, not moving, not finding yet any sort of offensive cohesion, and it is leading to issues. Part of that is that um, if you watched how these two teams defended, Indiana made it impossible for Carolina to get into any sort of offensive rhythm, contesting passes, getting into passing lanes, um, moving defensively really well. While on the other end of the floor, North Carolina is just letting Indiana pass the ball around. They're, the, the team had clearly decided they wanted to double trace Jackson Davis or at least give some digs, and it was half-hearted, right? Think about how Virginia doubles the post if you watch the virginia michigan game last night i mean they get after it when the double comes it is quick and it is furious carolina felt like i don't know if i want to double or not because we're not used to doing this and when they did double it was on ball side and so like a, a classic example is um demarco dunn dug down just a little bit pretending like he's going to go to trace jackson davis he jackson davis knows he's not coming so what does he do when dunn finally commits a little more boom kick out wide open three swish that's what's happening all right another observation uh keep coming by the way for those of you that are just tuning in uh we're going just through some some observations and then i'm going to look through the chat and get some of your questions and observations and we'll look at those so um the next thing i want to look at is several oh so close moments that carolina squandered i'll point out three of them that all came in the second half as carolina got the lead down to single digits which was impressive in and of itself. The way the Tar Heels played, this should have been a 20 or 30 point loss. So I think that is a testament to the way they kept battling and fighting and those kind of things. But here are those three occasions. North Carolina gets it down to nine and has the ball with a chance to get it to six or seven. Caleb Love turns the ball over. IU run out right back to 11. Another instance, Carolina gets the lead down to seven with the ball. Could get it down to five, maybe even four with a three. R.J. Davis turnover, IU run out to nine, and then they get it right back to 11 after that into double digits. Later on in the second half, Carolina gets the lead down to eight. Deep, deep pull-up two for R.J. Davis, the most inefficient shot in all of basketball. IU goes back down to the other end, makes two free throws, lead back to double digits. And so every time Carolina could get it down to seven, eight, nine in that range, 
they would not capitalize on it. They would settle or have a costly turnover um, for the game. I haven't even looked at the turnover numbers. 10, that's not awful. Um, and, and is down from where they had been recently. So, so we'll take that um, definitely for the team there. But still, um, just the turnovers that there were were costly and not helpful. So you had these oh-so-close moments, but it's like this team that made the national championship learning how to win hasn't figured out how to win, and, and that is and issue. Speaking of which, let's have a little checkup on Caleb and RJ. Good news, they didn't check up 60 shots in this game. Would have been hard to do without the benefit of 20 extra minutes of playing time in this one. But once again, a combined 9 of 27 from the field. Um, you know, decent shooting there. Uh, let me check that percent. 33% from the field. Yeah, quick math tells you that. 9, 18, 27. There you go. But they were 3 for 10 from 3, which frankly brings their average combined 3-point average up because they were shooting under 30% combined coming into this game. So you know what? You shot 30% from 3. That brings it up. It was RJ was 1 for 2 from 3 and Caleb was 2 Four, seven, including that banked in three to start the game. So there's that. Um, a big, big concern for me is coming into the game, I thought it was going to be Armando's leg. But somewhere early in the game, I think it was in some offense. Man, Mondo was just offensive rebounding like a beast to start this game. But somewhere he did something to his right shoulder and then was dealing with it the entire game you probably saw him rubbing it messing with it and uh just not sure what the issues are there he's gonna have to get um that certainly looked at he came out with tape on it in the second half not too many days before you turn around and go to Blacksburg and so um you know Doug Halverson and the training staff are going to be looking at that even given that Armando Tufts out a double-double after starting the season, missing uh, the first three games, not having a double-double. He's now got four double-doubles in the last five games. Finished this game, Armando did four for 10 from the field. Not efficient, but, you know, given his shoulder issues, understandable. 12 points, 10 rebounds, five of which were offensive, and uh, one turnover. Thank you, Armando. That is the first game this season he has had less than two turnovers way to go mondo love to see that keep it going all right um a couple other things to point out and then i want to look at your comments get some questions and we'll see what we're doing there here's the thing for me tonight a, a, a silver lining that i liked to see is that for the second game in a row now i thought carolina had energy um, they came out very flat on uh, black friday against iowa state played really passionately against Alabama. If they had played against Iowa State like they did Alabama with that energy, they win that basketball game. And tonight, while they were not efficient, the Tar Heels, while they were stagnant, I thought they um, came with more ferocity. I thought they came with more passion and energy, which, um, you know, they fought. They didn't go away. That This lead could have easily gotten out to 20. It never did. And, and so that's the thing with this team is, Unlike some of those uh, non-conference losses last year, this team isn't getting beaten by 20. Um, now, I never thought they had a shot to win this game like they did Iowa State and Alabama, just the way they played, this environment, just too much. So they played tough. I love the energy, but the efficiency wasn't there. 
but one person I want to point out in particular that keeps adding so much great energy is Mr. Puff Johnson. I love what he brings to this team, love seeing him healthy, and that's why Coach Davis was so anxious to get him back. In this game, 0 for 2 from the field, not great, but he got to the foul line a bunch, 6 of 7 from the line, just had one rebound, um, but zero turnovers for Puff, two steals, always diving on the floor, always active, just so great to see him back in the lineup. All right, what we're going to do, I want to take your questions, um, see what you have to say, some observations maybe that you have caught that I might have missed myself, um, and uh, we'll get right there. But before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, what up, USA, moving on to the elimination round, and esports, they've got it all at Bet Online. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, let me check in to the feed and see what kind of things you guys are saying, questions you are asking. And uh, this one right here from the Nintendo. Uh, always great to see you in here and says half of our points came from free throws. We have no offensive flow or structure and it is killing us. Now on one hand, you could celebrate that and it's not quite half. It's like a third, just shy of a third of the points, 20 made free throws and 65 total points. But the point is well taken there. Um, that uh, you so you can be happy for that free throw performance, getting the line, being aggressive. But my goodness, just the offensive production has to be better. Uh, allowed IU and and Nintendo says allowed IU way too many offensive rebounds and second chance points. Yeah, and, and let's look at I haven't looked at the rebounding numbers comparatively. Um, North Carolina finishes with 39, IU with 40 total um and so yeah in terms of indiana's offensive reboundings they only had nine not too terrible but um they did have they had seven or six second chance points 17 points off of turnovers that that's a killer there so so maybe not too terrible on the offensive rebounding um and and there's that let's get into my guy tony dowd what's up tony great to see you glad you're here asks why is mondo playing 20 feet from the rim for the first 30 minutes of the game definitely not where he is most effective also difficult to rebound difficult to rebound from that distance so let's take those two things separately from tony there I think it's a couple things. One of the things that um, Pat Kilby and I were talking about on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels was that um, Carolina is working now, you, you'll notice, to run a lot of offense. <laughs> run a lot of offense. That's kind of funny to say right now. But through Armando and or Pete Nance at the high post. And so Armando's coming out of the high post, I think trying to unclog the lane because he and Nance are both more um, traditional Bigs, although Nance floats out a little more, obviously, than Mondo does. Um, but part of that is Armando running, um, helping run offense out of the high post. Part of it, I think, um, is just Indiana was forcing some of that action tonight with how um, good they were at causing issues for Carolina trying to pass the ball at all. And so they're moving Mondo off the block, if you go back and watch some of that. 
um, is part of that too. And um, But definitely not where he's most effective. And you saw Carolina finally, eventually, to your point, Tony, started to go down into the post, try to get him isolated and allow him to go to work on IU's freshman big man in the post when Jackson Davis was on the bench. By the way, Trace Jackson Davis is just such a good basketball player. Um, man, 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 man. And then um, Indiana's freshman, uh, other freshman who I wasn't just referencing, but Jalen Hutchifino, what a game for him. Um, man, freshman doing work, particularly in the first half there. And then in terms of Tony, that's the other thing. It's difficult to rebound from that distance. And, and you're right. You want to see Armando in and around the paint as much as possible. Um, Garrett Clemens says the number one team in the country is never supposed to lose three games in a row. So it's not expected to any Carolina fan, in my opinion. Yes. And I, I hear you saying that in direct contradiction to what I said about the, the expectation. And I'm not saying Carolina fans should expect a three game losing streak. I'm saying specifically after losing those two games over the weekend and giving everything that led up to this game, it's it was the expectation more than uh, the other that Carolina would at least struggle in this game, if not lose it. And so, I mean, you're right, Garrett. Absolutely. Carolina should never expect to lose three games in a row. Carolina fans should not expect to lose three games in a row. But given the circumstances of the prior two games and everything in and around uh, all the circumstances surrounding this one, that's why I say uh, you almost expect that two-game streak to turn into a three-game streak here with now a couple days off before you go to Blacksburg. Um, let's see what else you guys have to say. <laughs> I'm laughing here. If we settled for one more jump shot, I was going to lose it. And I think there it is. We, we already talked about that a little earlier, but spot on. Um, just scrolling through here. Um, and yeah, this here's, let's go back to this point. Um, not sure the name on this one because it just looks like it's a phone number. Uh, maybe somebody sent a text to that, uh, number popping up there, uh, says I'd rather watch us lose every game with the bench. If they play hard than watch whatever Caleb, RJ and Armando are doing. And I think, uh, this is a big point that, that I've been talking about a lot is at some point, if it's not going to happen, with the starters, I know there's some level on which you want to see those five guys out there figuring it out together. Um, but there's also a regard in which, hey, if they're not going to do the things they need to do to work at figuring it out, get them off the court. And if you're going to be losing anyway, let's let some of the freshmen start figuring some stuff out. Dontre Styles, another night with zero minutes played. Now, I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried about Dontrez here, folks. Um, is he around for long? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see on that. But but I'm with you. Three, eight, six, five, four, five, four, six. Um, ah, here is something that I've heard a couple people say. Let's bring this back up from the Nintendo nerd. Says, it may be too early, but Puff may be the better starting option than Pete. We seem to be more offensively productive when either Mondo or Pete is on the floor rather than both. I'd love to hear from you if you agree with this sentiment, because I've been hearing it from a lot of people like maybe, um, I mean, you saw it a, a lot in the overtimes with um, Alabama with it was Puff that was playing and not 
Mondo and Pete together. A lot of that was Mondo's injury. A lot of that was Pete's foul trouble, but it felt like Carolina was more efficient playing better basketball with Puff in there. If you got to go small and have a lineup of RJ, Caleb, Leakey, Puff Johnson, and then either Pete or Mondo at the five, I mean, it, it might, it seems like in some ways right now, that is a better option. And speaking of which, RJ has to be given the keys to run this team. And at some point there has to be very real open and honest conversations with Caleb to say, you have to let RJ run things in the way that needs to happen. Now, RJ isn't quite doing it either yet, but uh, there's just all much of this. Um, IU hacking the stuffing out of the heels and we'll see how Armando recovers. Yeah, IU was tough, but that's part of it. I thought Carolina rose to that occasion more than they did against Iowa State. You know what I'm saying? Carolina backed down from that against Iowa State. I thought they rose to Indiana's toughness in this game. They just aren't being efficient or playing great offense. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, Let's keep scrolling through here, seeing what else. Trimble and Nickel need more playing time. I agree with that, particularly Seth Trimble. Let him start to work some stuff. Puff, puff, puff. Love that guy from Tony Dowd. Um, (laughs) I love this. This has nothing to do with the game. Usually podcast at 1.5. So this live action at normal speed is interesting. I'm going to slow down even more. I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm the same way, Mass Words. I listen to podcasts at one and a half, two. And so anytime I listen to myself in real, like when I'm listening back to the show, I listen to me at one and a half as well. So I'm right with you. Um, keep learning. Keep looking through here. Let's get a couple more things. And then we're going to peace out so I can record tomorrow's show so that I can get to bed just like all of you guys. Um, yeah, Garrett Clemens is saying... Um, uh, let's let's pull this up from Garrett. I, I like this. I don't think they played physical enough. And then Garrett said in another post, they have to be more physical pressuring other guards. I think there's something to that, Garrett, um, that I would really like the way that Tremble guards other guards. I want to see RJ and Caleb getting up into some dudes like that as well. And so Garrett says, I would love to get your opinion on the offense and why they're struggling so much. seems like way too much dribbling and not enough ball movement. That's absolute. like to that last point. It absolutely is way too much dribbling and not enough ball movement. I, I pointed this out a couple times this week. Go back. If you have it DVR'd or you can go find the highlights, watch the first offensive possession of the Alabama game in the second half. Watch Carolina's ball movement. That is what Hubert Davis is looking for in an ongoing basis, rather than what Caleb Love did on the last offensive possession of the first overtime against Alabama. That ain't it. And so uh, there's a lot to that, Garrett, in in my opinion, which you're asking. I think it's not just about the ball handlers. It's about um, Leakey and Pete and Mondo being very intentional with their movement. Um, It feels like at this point, and and maybe it's a, a no more Brady Manic thing, but it feels like the weave action out front with some of that screen action isn't as effective yet as it was last year. I don't know if that's the Brady Manic versus Pete Nance factor. Um, I just feel like I haven't had enough time to diagnose that yet, but I think there's something to that. But ultimately, I think this team hasn't learned each other enough yet. They don't fully grasp their roles. They don't fully grasp what that movement you're asking about looks like or needs to be. And so they're going to have to find that. 
Um, let's keep scrolling through some of the comments. Um, <laughs> yeah, AR says, our guards are playing like a bottom three backcourt in the ACC. I'm not going to go that far yet. Uh, if they keep trending in the direction they are. But uh, your point, AR, is this. This, this backcourt was heralded by many as the best backcourt in the nation coming into the season. And they still well might get there. Folks, it's November. They've played eight games. But right now, they are performing nowhere near the best backcourt in America. They're not only that, to your point, AR, not even the best backcourt in the ACC. Um, so let's uh, keep going. Uh, mass words. Here's another one. And it says, I feel like we're in a movie coaches letting them play their way. Now, after a couple losses, we'll come out and say, y'all ready to listen. Um, and yeah, maybe there's, there's going to be some of that. And that's what it's so interesting. The, I'm a very positive person, just like coach Davis. Um, and it's so interesting to see his public, uh, persona of like, Hey, we're good. I, I, on one hand, appreciate that because it's it allows the the rest of the team the rest of the personnel to not freak out meanwhile the fan base is pulling their hair out tugging and screaming and everybody doesn't know what to do and so i i agree with this to some level mass words but on the other end on the other hand it's like he shouldn't have to be saying y'all ready to listen they should know from how last year played out enough of how to do this and, and not have to get to the point of y'all ready to listen. You should not have to be asking D1 basketball players to be able to do that. And I know that they're equally as frustrated because they can't figure it out either, but something is going on. Nintendo, let's bring you back in. While I didn't play a lot, I like the energy and confidence from our bench tonight. Let's pull up and look at the bench points. Forgive me. I can't find it on my box score here. Oh, there we go. 14. Yeah, that might be a season high in bench points for Carolina. It's either at or close to it. Um, I could take some time to pull up my box scores while we're talking. But if somebody else has that more quickly, UNC Wilmington, I think, was the highest bench points of the season prior to this bench points. No, it wouldn't have been UNC Wilmington. That was six. 16 is the season high. That was against Charleston, but this is two points off of that. So yeah, great bench production, three from Seth Trembles, five from DeMarco Dunn, and six from Puff Johnson. And so, um, yeah, encouraged to see that and want to see more of it, frankly. Uh, Another one from AR here. Who do you think is playing the best right now on both sides of the court? Leaky Black. Leaky Black has been the most consistent. Uh, actually, I'm answering consistent rather than best, but I think it kind of goes hand in hand. To me, Leaky Black is playing the best on both sides of the floor right now because he's giving more offensively than he ever has in his career, but continuing to be an annoying disruptor on defense um, and, and doing all of that kind of stuff. What did he do offensively? Zero points tonight. That's hilarious. Right as I say, he's giving more offensively than he has in seasons past. But... Um, yeah, Leaky, uh, prior to tonight, has been, for me, the con- most consistent player on both ends of the floor. Um, and, and another question from AR. Let's answer this one. Where is Jalen Washington? I thought he was healthy. Um, he is, but he's still working his way back into um, game preparation mode. Coach Davis had said, it was like two Mondays ago, that they w- didn't expect to get him back until some point after the PKI out in Portland. 
And so um, I just think that tonight is not the time to work him in, even though it's back in his home state, Jalen Washington's from Indiana. Um, but man, this is a terrible environment for it. I honestly wouldn't even expect to see him at Virginia Tech. I think the earliest we would see him would be at home versus Georgia Tech. That's two games away because that's a, a friendly home environment and a great place to get to work him in. You don't want to have your first collegiate minutes be at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. Yikes. That was no good. Um, yeah, somebody says Styles will be gone soon, and I don't fault him. I alluded to that earlier. Keep your eyes on that, folks. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right, anything else we want to hit? Um, yeah, every, everything you guys are saying, you're just chiming in with all that. Well, okay, I think we are going to wrap it up. I'm going to go ahead and get ready to record tomorrow's podcast to get that ready for you guys so that um, that can be fresh and in your inboxes um, for uh, tomorrow morning when you wake up either on YouTube or on audio. By the way, if you haven't checked it out yet, Locked On has started a national college basketball show, Locked On College Basketball. And I am one of the two co-hosts of that. So would love for you to make sure you check that out if you haven't already. And we'll talk about teams that are performing well so far this season. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. It's great to have a little bit of a therapy session together. If you want to reach out, come find me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. You can email the show at Locked, uh, excuse me, at locked on tar heels at gmail.com. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, would love you to do that on YouTube. It helps us so, so much. It really does. I know it seems silly, but it's massive to help that. So if you haven't subscribed, would you consider just smashing that uh, and hitting the like button as well? ARS, are you going to go live after every game? I try to go live after as many games as is humanly possible so we can have these moments together. So the next one of those. Um, Virginia Tech coming this Sunday. I believe I won't be able to go live for that. I apologize. Um, I will actually be at church for some Advent worship services, but that uh, that next Saturday for the Georgia Tech game, I will be. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this postcast. Instant reactions. Always great to chat with you. Always great to commiserate together after a loss. We'll talk to you in the morning. Make sure you listen or watch the show. Until then, peace. <laughs>